Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Leach Report for Friday, game day eve in the bluegrass as we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. It should be a fun environment tomorrow. It uh, is going to be a sellout, and it's Kentucky and Tennessee, and the Vols have won two straight in Rupp, and Kentucky's looking for its first win this season over a ranked opponent, and just a a lot of things uh, in the mix here, and two very good teams matching up should be a great game, and that's always a fun environment at Rupp Arena. We'll talk about all that and more with our guest today, Chris Dorch, from the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, longtime follower of the SEC, and Mike Corsi from the Sporting News and Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network. Our Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Kentucky and Tennessee will tip it up at 1 Eastern time tomorrow. The Vols are number two in the nation in defensive efficiency. Only five of their opponents have broken the 70-point mark, and Tennessee is two and three in those five games. So this one figures to be a slower-paced half-court game, especially in the second half, those final ten minutes. Kentucky lost those types of games at Notre Dame and at LSU with some extenuating circumstances at LSU, understandably. But um, we'll see how Kentucky has has progressed. I think that's uh, one area to to watch for this team. I have no doubt they will uh, get good at it. But uh, Calipari has talked about giving them some things to focus on in the late shot clock and late game situation. So we'll see what that looks like, how they execute it, because they're going to face those kind of games undoubtedly as they move through league play, this league is so good this year, and the uh, postseason tournaments as well. Uh, does Xavier Wheeler come back tomorrow? Um, Cal will, I think, talk to the media today, so maybe we'll get an update on whether or not Xavier practiced yesterday. If he's not practicing, not playing. And uh, we'll see if what we hear on that. Um, you know, Cal said the other night, seemed encouraged on the radio show Wednesday night, uh, that Wheeler had done some individual workouts and seemed to indicate that it was getting closer. And he is a guy that uh, certainly gives Kentucky its most lethal transition game. Um, but Kentucky's been uh, really <clears throat> good in these last two games, admittedly against you know lesser competition. Uh, but still, one of them was a road game. And so Ty Ty Washington's looked really good. The thing that has impressed me in these last couple of games with Ty Ty is previous, and we've talked about this on the show, in previous stints at the point for him, he wasn't looking for his offense as much. His uh, production dropped off. And, again, Cal's always talking about getting to 75 to 80 points. Well, in these last couple of games, and I'm sure this is not just an accident. <laughs> Coaches have you know been in his head about this. He has still run the team very well, low turnovers, all of that, gotten the ball to the right spots, but he's also been able to be assertive himself offensively and take advantage of opportunities. And he and uh, Oscar Shibwe have gotten really good in that uh, pick-and-pop, uh, pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop game where Ty-Ty comes off the pick, Oscar kind of slides over to the elbow, and 
Ty Ty can take the shot, go to the rim, or drop off the little pocket pass to Oscar. And they have really gotten good at that. So you could certainly see a situation where Kentucky could go to some of that kind of an action uh, in a late-game situation. She could still have Xavier Wheeler off the ball, he, uh, in the game off the ball. He could be your guy to try to fuel the transition game. And if that's not there and you get into uh, you know having to, to run something to, to get a shot in half court, well, then maybe you uh, put Ty Ty at the point. We'll see how this plays out. Tennessee is going for three straight wins in Rupp Arena. It has happened before, but it was in 1923, by my count, that uh, it happened last. Uh, the Vols uh, and Kentucky actually split games last season, but each one on the other's home floor. And um, Tennessee has done uh, quite well in recent years in this series against Kentucky. So it's an opportunity for the Cats to get a win over a ranked opponent tomorrow to enhance their March resume. I was looking at Joe Lenardi's bracketology yesterday. He had Kentucky on the four-seed line, 14th on the S-curve, which means they, by his projection, only two slots off the three-seed line. As good as this league is, we'll talk about this with uh, Mike DeCourcy later because he does these projections for Fox. Um, I think Kentucky could certainly get as high as a two if they win enough games in this league a one i think is possible but uh not much margin for error on that some uh, good news and uh, bad news on the football personnel front colin goodfellow is exiting the transfer portal so kentucky's punter is coming back and he's a former walk-on who got the job when um, barry had a back injury and um, wasn't able to perform it at his best. Goodfellow came in and excelled. And so I think it's great to have a guy back that is proven as uh, your guy to flip the field position. Uh, Trayvon Morgan, the wide receiver who transferred in from Michigan State, he is entering the transfer portal, so he's looking for <clears throat> a new college football home. And Kevin Knox, part of an NBA trade that will send him from the Knicks to the Atlanta Hawks. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on our Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day segment presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Live jazz music every evening to accompany your meal. So it is a true dining experience at Giuseppe's. Full wine and bourbon selections. Fantastic menu. How about the sea bass with lobster chili butter sauce? That's been a staple for years on the menu at Giuseppe's. Fresh Cut uh, steaks, fresh seafood, hand-cut steaks, homemade pasta. You get it all at Giuseppe's. We'll be right back. Chris Dorch will join us. And then Mike DeCourcy a little later. It is the Leach Report, Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Well, each report is presented by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Chris Dortch joins us from the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, longtime follower of SEC basketball. And uh, we'll start with the matchup tomorrow. Chris, uh, I was saying at the t- in the opening segment, looking forward to this, just what the atmosphere is going to be like. That's like a big game atmosphere at Rupp Arena. And so you've got a ranked Tennessee team coming in. They've won two straight times at Rupp Arena. And um, the rivalry, you know, has been – uh, re-energized between Kentucky and Tennessee in these last few years. So what do you expect tomorrow? 
You know, I think it'll be interesting. I, I uh, It's funny how Kennedy Chandler, the Tennessee point guard, everybody knows he was a five-star, rated the number one point guard in the country, but he hasn't been as consistent, I don't think, as Ty Ty Washington has. Uh, you know, he's won the last four uh, SEC Freshman of the Week awards and, and is really rounding into his own uh, when without Severe Wheeler in the lineup. 17 assists. I guess, what was that a Kentucky record? Yes, the John Wall's record. Uh, it's incredible. So I look for that uh, matchup to be key. Uh, the one thing that that will help Tennessee is that they've also got this kid, Zakai Ziegler, who they just happened to find him at, at, at Peach Jam last July. He was in the class of 22, didn't have a single scholarship offer. They saw him, and despite the fact he's probably – the same size as Severe Wheeler, that uh, Rick Barnes fell in love with him, and he's a typical New York City point guard, tough and and uh, gritty and uh, fearless. So Tennessee has a pretty good point guard tandem, but I, I think right now Ty Ty Washington uh, is is playing as well as any freshman point guard out there. That's going to be an interesting matchup, and then. You know, so far nobody's been able to stop Oscar Shibway. Uh, so it's going to be interesting uh, to see w- what they do with that. Uh, John Fulkerson came back as a super senior, and and you know he's he's had his moments. Uh, he had twenty four and ten uh, as Tennessee beat. Uh, I guess they were ranked sixth at the time. Arizona uh, got out to a sixteen to two start, and late in the game they went to Fulkerson and. And he delivered, and then over the Christmas break, he he got COVID uh, for the second time, and he just hasn't been himself. And uh, after a loss the other night, uh, Rick Barnes got on the Zoom press conference and said something that kind of shocked some people. Said if John, you know, can't deliver, he needs to step aside. And that's nothing he wouldn't have said to John to his face. He wasn't using the media, so. You know, Fulkerson's going to have to deliver. Uh, the thing about it is, Sheboy's, I mean, he's a truck that, that leaps, uh, uh, <laughs> a rare physical specimen that, that has a relentless motor. And Fulkerson's got a motor, but he's, he's not as big as Sheboy. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, that matchup, what they can do uh, to stop him and to keep him off the board. So. Uh, I think it'll be a good game. You know, Rick and and Coach Cal or Rick Barnes and Coach Cal are friends, and and uh, they've enjoyed this matchup. I think Rick Barnes has made it a lot more competitive than it had been, and you never know. Uh, it, it surprises the heck out of me when they went up there because, you know, uh, I guess two years ago they weren't in the best shape and and still went up there and won. So. Uh, you, you just never know. Yeah, Tennessee's had some success here, and uh, Don DeVoe had a, had a little run, and uh, so did Ray Mears when he, he had uh, uh, King and, and Grunfeld and, and had some success in Lexington. And then there was the stretch where Kentucky just, you know, the, only the 78 championship team was the only one that could win in the 70s, I think, it, down at, at Tennessee uh, for most of the decade. And then lately, Kentucky's played much better in Knoxville. 
Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it used to be, and I remember this, uh, it wasn't that long ago, probably pre-Bruce Pearl, but uh, you could see enough Kentucky fans in in uh, Thompson Bowling to make a difference. Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, Tennessee was embarrassed by it, but, I mean, what are you going to do if your own fans don't care? Kentucky fans are smart. Uh, they, they acquire tickets, you know. Uh, it's hard to get into Rump, so they go to see the Cats wherever they can, and uh, they travel as well as any team in the country. So I, I think those days are over. I, I think Tennessee uh, uh, has gotten to a level. Uh, the, the, the thing about this particular team is it, it was built to, to, to shoot threes, and like Sonny Smith used to say, they're good at taking them, they just haven't been that good at making them. <laughs> uh, in, their, in their losses, I think they've shot 20% from behind the arc, and in their wins, they've shot 38% from behind the arc. And Rick would love for that uh, tally to even out a little bit. I think what Tennessee needs to do is, is understand that they don't have to be one-dimensional. They, they're still a, a fairly young team. I mean, uh, uh, Fulkerson's a super senior, and Vescovi's been around a while, and Josiah Jordan James. But other than that, they're a fairly young bunch, and they need to understand how to diversify. Uh, and by that, I mean they've got the speed and quickness uh, to get to the rim and, and cause havoc that way, either get fouled, uh, they can run the pick and roll, they can do all kinds of stuff with speed. And sometimes I think they've resorted uh, to the quick jack three. Now, Rick encourages – I mean, he, he'll he take somebody out if, if they don't take a three that they practice, you know, an in-rhythm three that, that they know they can make. Uh, he just doesn't want four shots. So I think Tennessee has a huge upside, uh, but it's going to depend an awful lot on those two young point guards and, and how they handle their business. Um, what is the prognosis on Wheeler? I, I'd be curious to. Uh, the only thing, Cal, uh, on Wednesday night on the radio show, Cal uh, talked about Severe doing some individual workouts. He did it during the shoot around at Vandy on Tuesday and then uh, at uh, the Craft Center yesterday or on uh, Wednesday. So uh, Cal talks to the media today, so maybe we'll get an update. It, if, if Wheeler's able to practice, then he'll play, but he hadn't been able to practice. Of late, so uh, I don't know if Cal will, will give us any update on that when he talks today. But uh, it feels like it, I think the the feeling is around here that he'll probably play Saturday. But uh, we'll see if it takes another game or not. It'll be an interesting uh, matchup if he gets in there too, because he's a veteran, and you know he'll be up against two freshmen. The impressive thing to me about Wheeler, you know, he is his assist to turnover ratio. Oh yeah, he averaged. I think it was four turnovers at Georgia, and, and now I'm looking at it's it's 102 to 41 in favor of assists. So you know he's tightened up his game, and and now with with Washington's emergence, uh, I think Kentucky has a really good upside. But if you look up and down the league, it's it's kind of scary. Uh, Tell you what, Chris, let me jump in here coach. and. Uh and take a break and we'll come back because I want to follow up on that. You've been following this league for a long time. We'll do that. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. 
This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Chris Dorch is with us from the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Uh, where can people uh, find your work, Chris? BlueRibbonYearbook.com. Uh, the book is still for sale. We've got a few left. And uh, BlueRibbon.Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com, is our newsletter, and we have a podcast there. I wrote a little something on Shebway a couple of weeks ago and uh, had a lot of fun writing it and and exploring uh, his career uh, a little more in depth. So that's blueribbon.substack.com. A couple of minutes left here before the bottom of the hour. Let me talk to you about the SEC just as a whole. Uh, I'm looking at KenPalm.com. You have five SEC teams in the top 17. Kentucky, uh, Auburn, LSU, or Auburn 7, LSU 8, Kentucky 9, uh, Tennessee's 13, Alabama 17. If you go to the top 50, you had three more SEC teams. Five SEC teams are ranked. Um, do you know, Is I haven't seen this stat anywhere. Is that the most SEC teams to be ranked at one time? In basketball, I think we had didn't we had six uh, earlier in, in the season, I, if I'm not mistaken, and, and uh, I had six in Blue Ribbon's preseason ranking. It's certainly, and, and, and you and I have been around the league a while. It's certainly the deepest I've seen the conference uh, probably in my career. And and if you look, I, I mean, even the teams that are near the bottom can reach up and bite you. Uh, I'm talking about Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, <clears throat> Mizzou at times. But then you look at the teams that, that weren't supposed to be quite as formidable as they are. I mean, everybody knew Auburn would be good, but I don't know that they knew that Jabari Smith was going to evolve Ooh. into probably the number one pick in the 22 draft. He is uh, special. He's been awesome. Uh Texas A&M, Buzz Williams is a great coach. He's won everywhere he's been, and they jump out of the box at 3-0 and in the league, and I think that took people by surprise. And Will Wade is, is you know, he's an excellent young coach, uh, whatever you think of him. Uh, they're 15-1 and overall, and, and he's got a team that is super long. Chris? Uh, they've changed their I'm sorry. Got to run coming up on the hard break, right, but I, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Hey, buddy. Chris Dorch, Blue Ribbon Yearbook. We'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops and the Main Street Market in downtown Lexington for Clark's, right across from Rupp Arena. Uh, Larry... Uh, Vaught, Anthony White, Jack Pilgrim host the Sunday morning show from there. Uh, got a note from uh, Eric Lindsay at UK Sports Information that seven SEC teams were ranked earlier in the season, and he thinks that was the most ever at the time that it happened. By the way, good luck to Eric. This is his last game this weekend working uh, for UK. He is off to uh, a new job. We wish him well in that. We welcome in Mike Corsi from SportingNews.com, uh, Fox Sports, and the Big Ten Network. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee tomorrow. Uh, Mike begins a, a stretch for Kentucky of Saturdays where they then will go to Auburn the next Saturday, to Kansas the following Saturday, to Alabama the following Saturday. So they'll have plenty of opportunity to move up in the DeCourcy bracket watch there at Fox. 
Yeah, you know, I've been getting yelled at a lot by Kentucky <laughs> fans uh, over the course of the last, I guess I've been doing this three weeks now. We, we don't start ours at the beginning of the year. We wait until people actually play some games before we do it. And I've been getting yelled at by Kentucky fans, and uh, and I keep saying, look, it, you have to do something to get ranked, uh, to get seated higher. These aren't based on, I think this team is good. That's not how we do this. That's how they do it in the college football playoff, but that's not how it works in the committee room. So in my effort to try to replicate what they would be doing in the committee room, I have to look at what they've accomplished. And I think they're terrific, but... Uh, at this point, their best win still is North Carolina, which isn't uh, one of the stronger wins out there. It, 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 you know, some of it is uh, the circumstances uh, uh, with uh, COVID and all that, uh, losing the Louisville game. Obviously, Louisville's struggling right now. It still takes a little chunk out of their strength of schedule. And uh, losing Ohio State, I believe, was who they were supposed to play, right? Yes. Uh, in, in Vegas. So, and. And even though Carolina's a bigger brand, Ohio State's a more successful team this year. And so it didn't hurt to get a game against Carolina, but it hurt to lose Ohio State from your schedule. So it, you just, as you said, this, all that concern goes out the window in terms of what they've accomplished because they'll have, you know, they'll, you're talking about Auburn, which, uh, uh, don't be surprised if they're really, really high on my bracket when it's released today, and Kansas, which has been a two-seed almost from the very beginning. Uh, Alabama, which is a road win uh, for Auburn, was huge and, and is a real challenge uh, for the Wildcats. So they've, they've got lots of opportunities now to build up those kinds of quality wins. Uh, and Tennessee as well. Tennessee is a, you know, they're, they've been seeded seventh most recently on my bracket. And they're they're the second, then the number two defensive team in college basketball by Ken Palm's uh, points per possession stats. So it, it, these are real challenges that they're facing over the course of the next month. And you know, there's uh, some other teams in there that uh, three more uh, SEC teams are in the top fifty, besides the five that are in the top twenty in, in Ken Palm. So uh, I was saying earlier, I think Kentucky would have a chance to play certainly as high as a two seed, maybe an outside chance at a one. Now you have a pretty slim margin of error because you'd have to win most of those, but the, the league is strong enough that you could, if you win enough of those games, you can really move up. Yeah. The, the team that wins this league will finish as a one or two seed. Uh, that it, I, I don't think there's any question about that uh, because the, the strength of the league is such that in order to, in order to get to that spot, you're going to have to accomplish a lot. Now, the one exception to that is Auburn, in a, in a, in a sense. I mean, they're, they, they have about as generous a schedule as this league could have provided to them. Uh, they don't have to go to LSU. I don't believe that they have to come to UK either. They do not. Uh, they, so, that, you know, only two, one plays with the other, two, probably the other two best teams in the league. Uh, they get, they get uh, a, a pretty good break on that, but because of that, and because they've already accomplished a few things that were important, um, they're, they're, there's a very good chance they're going to be hard to beat in terms of winning the league title. So if Kentucky wants to win the league, and, and you know, I know that some people downplay the importance of regular season championships and all that sort of thing, but what's conveyed by regular season championships is the kind of seeding you want in the bracket. So if they want to win it, I think they're going to have to win at Auburn. I, 
if they don't beat Auburn, I don't know how many teams will. Uh, let me shift gears to Oscar Sheboy for a minute. I ask you the question I asked John Calipari after the game Wednesday night, um, and that is, are you surprised by how good Oscar's game has gotten offensively? So what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, I would love to hear what John would have to say about He said he was a little surprised, too. Yeah, they, uh, that's good to hear. You know, when I saw him at West Virginia, honestly, the way he, the way he played, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I hesitate to say the way he was used, but the way he played was a very stagnant approach. I mean, he was a guy who basically stood under the goal on offense and defense, and if it, the ball came off, uh, one of his teammates shot and the ball came off, he might go get it and put it back in. Uh, and on defense, he stood underneath the, ba- the basket, and if somebody drove, he blocked the sh- he'd try to block the shot, and if it, it fell off the rim, he'd go get it. But there wasn't that mobility that you see now that, that is going to make him a, a terrific pro prospect, I think. He, he's, he's, very, you know, he's very much able to move around on offense and defense and, and be a dynamic. And that's what has surprised me. I thought at, at minimum, Kentucky was getting a guy who would rebound and guard the bucket, and that would make them a very good team because of all the guys that would be around them, like Ty Ty and and uh, and and, Kel, uh, and Keon and people like that. I mean, we didn't know that at the time he came in that uh, that Kellen Grady and Xavier Wheeler would be part of this team. But all those kinds of players that they have already in the program or. Uh, or that you figured that they would get in the freshman class, uh, that Oscar would provide a nice foundation. But instead, he's become the the one of the, maybe the primary option on the team uh, because he can he can hit from the foul line. He's very hard to defend for opposing bigs because of that. He's got more post moves than I thought he had. Uh, he's not. Uh, you know, there 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 are those absolute artists that you've seen in the post, guys like Wayman Tisdale, who could just take you know take an opponent apart. He's not really that, but he's got great hands. Um, he's very firm in his moves. Uh, he can, you know he can he can counter move against a defender. Uh, so he's he's got he's got real ability in the low post as well because of all those qualities. Uh, I think he, he's 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 been amazing. And with every game that passes, I mean, a week ago I was saying that I thought Xavier Wheeler was Kentucky's most important player. Um, I still think that they're by far at their best when, when he's initiating the offense. But now, I, I, having seen them play twice without, uh, without uh, Xavier and play successfully, I, I think you have to go back to Oscar and what he's able to provide. I said this a couple of weeks ago that Kentucky's had two players in their history get over 500 rebounds in a single season, Bill Spivey and Cliff Hagen. And Oscar's on track uh, to pretty likely be the third. And uh, he could, if Kentucky got to the final four, he might be able to to actually uh, set the single season record. And uh, Daryl Bird of the Catsballs did a, a story of that aspect of Oscar's game. Talked to Dan Issel. And Dan uh, compared him to a couple of guys that were contemporaries of, of Dan's in the NBA, Wes Unseld and uh, Paul Silas. That's a pretty strong comparison. It is. Uh, and, you know, and the advantage Oscar has over those two guys is that Wes was 6'7 and Paul was 6'6. Six, six. Uh, and Oscar's got uh, several inches on both of those guys. Uh, but what, you know, what guys like that have in common is an innate understanding of, of 
where the ball is coming off. I, I, I don't. I shouldn't say innate. That's not fair to any of the three. I mean, it, that, that's practiced and, and studied. Um, but they have that gift of, of of understanding how to read the ball in flight, and and Oscar definitely has that. And then, of course, all three of those guys were massively strong. And then, maybe as much as anything, the the willingness to fight for it. The, the understanding that rebounding's kind of you know I don't I hesitate to use the word dirty but you know it's a it's a you know it's a tough business I mean you're going to have to put up with getting scraped around a little bit if you're going to go after if you're going to go after and get 15 rebounds a game you're going to get bumped a lot and you have to have the taste for that and th- those three players all certainly did or do. Talking with Mike DeCourcy, and we'll continue here in just a moment. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. And it is the go-to place for fans of the Leach Report for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. See you soon at Wild Eggs. We'll be right back. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Back with Mike DeCourcy, SportingNews.com, and Fox Sports. He does the brackets, and you'll see on the Fox Sports coverage. And then the Big Ten Network, and uh, the new bracket will be out later today if you follow on Twitter, at TSN Mike. Um, saw a story earlier this week, I can't remember where, but it was about the number of fouls being called this season being down. Uh, do you see a, a change in um, the the way the game's uh, being played and uh, freedom of movement, some of those things, Mike? You know, I don't see, and I, I'd have to, you know, I don't think that the uh, NCAA has put out uh, their midseason trends yet, um, but I don't perceive a decline in scoring, which is when, when you see the, dec- uh, the decline in files called, you, you start to worry about are they, are they, uh, are they allowing too much contact and therefore making it too difficult to transact offense, which was what was happening about a decade ago? Uh, that was that was the really low period for college basketball offense, so low that they were basically scoring at the early 1950s rates. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's uh, the, the game has changed so much since the early 1950s that we should not be seeing scores uh, of that nature, but we were. 10 years ago, and that's when freedom of movement became an issue. John Adams uh, was then a coordinator of officials for the NCAA, and he worked really hard along with the rules committee to try to, to, to get it right. And I, 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 so I, I'm interested that the fouls are down. Uh, I find that it could be that we're being more effective in, in making it so that players understand if you if you put your hands on a player, they're going to call it, and so don't put your hands on a player. And I and I think we're seeing fewer of those. I think we're. I, I will say this: one of the things that uh, that I often have done uh, on Twitter during a college basketball is uh, follow the really bad charge calls and and tweet with a hashtag called charbage. Uh, Charge garbage, uh, made into one word. A friend of mine, Brendan Prunty, who used to work for the New York Star Ledger, came up with that one night about six or seven years ago, and and I've used it ever since. And I find myself doing that much less. I, I, Wisconsin uh, has been a team that has had players who are who have been noted for uh, for their um, 
ability to draw charges, so to speak. Um, I've watched a lot of Wisconsin basketball this year. That's not happening there. I mean, it, it, it's not that it never happens, but it's not regular. Uh, they're, they're defending uh, effectively, but without doing that. Uh, so we're seeing uh, that, that part of the game minimized. So I think that I think this is a good trend. I, I don't think it's a bad trend that they're calling fewer fouls. Based on what my eyes, I, I, I'd like to see the numbers on points produced. Um, but based on what I'm watching, I mean, gosh, Gonzaga scored 110 points last night uh, against a, a legit high major opponent that's in the bracket. So that's, uh, I don't think that would have happened seven or eight years ago or ten years ago. Cal Perry continually preaches that uh, it's about getting to 75 or 80 points a game, that if you aren't, do, aren't able to do that consistently, then uh, you're going to have trouble winning these days. Um, and Kentucky is, is certainly uh, doing that. The two games that um, they didn't do that, they scored in the low 60s, they lost both of them, one with some extenuating circumstances down at LSU. But it, it seems to me in, in um, the last couple of games, without Wheeler, uh, Washington previously in that role as taken over the, the lead guard role didn't look for his shot as much, but he has been doing that and, uh, gotten really effective in the pick and roll game with, with Oscar. So it seems to me now that, uh, Kentucky's maybe giving itself a, a, a second option. You've got Wheeler to, to rip and run and uh, try to get you to 75 or 80, but if the game is such that it's not going to be there and it has to be possession by possession, that maybe in tie tie you've got a guy that can make you more effective in a half-court late clock situation. Oh, absolutely. That that uh, 14-foot pull-up, I mean, it's it's devastating. And I know that analytics people don't love love that shot because, you know, a jump shot that's worth two points is, you know, it's worth three if you move back five or six feet. But if you're as consistent with that as he is, I mean, that's, that, 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 Jaime Jaquez, uh, shooting that shot got UCLA to, to the final four last year. Uh, and he's not, and he's not as effective at getting it to himself. He's got, you know, he's got to come off a screen and catch and shoot it. Uh, Ty Ty can do it himself, uh, you know, bouncing it off of a, uh, of a high screen or something like that, or even just, uh, faking his man to one direction and then going past him and pulling up. Uh, he's been, he's been outstanding. And, and I will say this, that, uh, I believe that it, it's not been good for UK to not have Savir out there. And obviously more than anything at LSU, that was true. Uh, but Ty Ty's gotten the chance to show NBA teams that the ball in his hands is a good thing. And he can play that position at the NBA level. And for, for Kentucky, uh, to be able to vary their attack. In that way, one time Savier is just going right by you, and then either laying it in or kicking it out to Kellen or somebody like that, or uh, or Ty Ty from you know the other side, uh, having to guard both of that, both of those options at one time is really difficult, especially when you have shooter, a shooter like Kellen on the outside, uh, a post force like Oscar on the inside. Uh, when they get everybody together now, I think that their offense is significantly better because of Savier's absence. It's kind of like if you, uh, in an age where you didn't have one-and-done players, if you had had John Wall and then Brandon Knight the next year and had those two together. Yeah, very complimentary players they would have been because of John, again, John's ability to to just go past you over and over, and then Brandon's uh, great ability to set you up and disarm you and then take that shot. He, He was 
effective at doing that from even deeper than Savir, excuse me, than, than Tai Tai is. But, um, but that, that they, they would have been amazing together. Absolutely. Mike, uh, as always a pleasure, um, you give your Steelers any shot against the Chiefs? Uh, you know what? I give them at least as good a shot as I gave Jacksonville a week ago. Uh, and look how that turned out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> against the Colts. Fair point. <laughs> That's you know I got I've got my hope uh, and I'll ride with that. All right. Enjoy the uh, the basketball and the football this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Tom. As Mike DeCourcy at TSN Mike on Twitter. Look for his uh, new bracket for Fox Sports coming out later today. And then uh, see it on the coverage on Fox this weekend. You can read him at SportingNews.com and see him on the Big Ten Network. And we will close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. Back into our Friday show. And coming up tomorrow, Kentucky, Tennessee. We'll start pregame coverage on the UK Network at 11.30 a.m. with Countdown to Tip-Off Show with Dave Baker and the Goose. Jack Givens um, should be a, just a really fun uh, atmosphere tomorrow. Uh, last night in college basketball, no surprises. There was one ra- matchup of ranked teams. Well, let me tell you, that, there was one surprise. Oregon, in overtime, knocked off number three UCLA, 84-81. Um, so not been a great week for top ten teams. Uh, the matchup of ranked teams, Wisconsin, which was really playing well, beat uh, Ohio State 78-68. You know, Wisconsin, there was a chance Kentucky and Wisconsin were going to play when Kentucky eventually lined up the game against Western. Uh, that uh, I think it was Wisconsin couldn't play on the night the game was scheduled. They were going to have to play the next night against Kentucky, and uh, ESPN couldn't make that happen because of a bowl game, so they ended up getting Kentucky and Western together. So, um, And uh, Mike mentioned Gonzaga, um, big win last night with 110 points. They beat BYU, Mark Pope's team, 110 to 84. Uh, wonderful not surprising gesture from Benny Snell. There was a story about a, uh, a family uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, big Steeler fans. The uh, father had been lost to cancer, and somebody posted on Instagram, a friend of the family. I think the kid's, uh, the, the, the deceased father's uh, son was named Steeler. And uh, some a friend, a family friend, posted the story, a family story on Instagram. Benny Snell saw it, gave him tickets to the playoff game. I think the family's hometown is coming up with the money for the uh, airfare to Kansas City, so they'll be there for the Steelers and KC tomorrow. So kudos to Thanks Benny Snell. To uh, nice gesture. Not surprising, but a nice.